Hey there, boss. This is Jeff Mendelson, host of the One Big Tip podcast. And I am so excited to announce my new Agents of Pod coaching program, where I teach you how to fast track your lead gen by having more conversations with your targeted clients, even if you have no list, audience, or paid ads. Head on over to agentsofpod.com slash hero, and let me show you how to be the superhero in your own business. I am also actively seeking guests for this podcast. If you know someone who is currently six figures or more in their business and they have an actionable, tangible, and measurable tip to share, please let them know about it. Just go to onebigtip.com slash guest for information on how to be a guest. I can't wait to hear from you. Let's get started. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. My name is Jeff Mendelson, and this is the One Big Tip Podcast. And today, my guest is Victoria Evans, who is a successful, intuitive eating coach and podcast host. Victoria gives women the tools to take back their confidence so they are no longer shackled by their food choices. Using a science-based approach that has helped countless women, Victoria taught them the principles to heal their relationship with food. The basis of intuitive eating is knowing that the hunger that we feel is often driven by an emotional need or void in our lives. On this episode, we're going to discuss the benefits of intuitive eating, the importance of a positive mindset, and how to gain your confidence back through food freedom. So I'm really excited about this. Victoria, thank you so much and welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm super excited to be here. So I would like to learn a little bit more about you, about how you landed into the space. I'm sure there is a, I'm sure there is a story there. I'm sure there's a hero's journey that needs to be told and that other people need to hear it. Can you please tell us about who you are and why you are so amazing? <laughs> yeah, so my story, you know, myself, like, you know, so many people, especially if you identify as a woman can probably relate, struggled with their weight. And for me, that started from, you know, a really young age. And I just had this idea in my mind that if I was to achieve a certain body type, a certain physique, then things would be wonderful and happy and amazing. And as I became early teens, I really started as well to struggle with my mental health. And again, this idea that if I was just skinny and cute and pretty, then I would be happy and I could really just start living my life. So this idea kind of carried through until after I graduated university and I started working at a Fortune 500 beauty company. Now at this time, you know, I was in a little bit of a larger body than I am now. And again, this idea of thinking that if I was to just be skinnier and cuter and prettier, then I could fit into this very kind of vogue corporate kind of vibe and my life would begin and all of that kind of thing. And so on social media, I found the influencer with the best abs and I bought her 12 week weight loss guarantee program. And ultimately this is what ended up kicking off an eating disorder for me. So this went from, you know, it was anorexia, it was exercise addiction, later bulimia, then it was binge eating. And it was a huge mess to the point where one day I was standing on top of a mountain in Montreal, uh, Mount Royal, if you know Montreal at all, because I had had an extra handful of trail mix and I'd woken up at 2 a.m. and decided that running 30 kilometers was an adequate punishment for having done that. So I ran 30 kilometers in the dark and I was standing at the top of Mount Royal at this point, I'd been massively struggling with anorexia. My hair was falling out and just had this moment where I realized that, you know, achieving a certain body type, looking skinny and pretty and cute, which is, you know, what I was at that time, 
wasn't going to be the solution, the answer to everything. And it really ultimately for me kicked off this recovery journey, which then led to me realizing there wasn't a lot of availability for people like me going through this recovery system who are very science-based, very logical, very rational, maybe not as, you know, I want to call it kind of like frou-frou, kind of the, you know, just love yourself kind of vibe. I'm someone who is very much... I like the step-by-step. I like understanding why I'm doing something. I like understanding the science behind it. And so I ultimately created this program to help me recover from my really disordered relationship with food and my body and my lack of confidence and ultimately ended up saving my life, changing my life. I started talking about it on social media and other people started to take some note. And from there, basically, they contacted me. They're like, hey, could you help me with this? And this led to me taking them through a beta program, so a test program to see if it works for them as well. And it did. I got incredible results. From there, I launched officially a few months months later. So I became a science-based intuitive eating coach. And then I ultimately led my, launched my podcast and I quit my corporate job. And I started traveling the world as a digital nomad for several years. And now I currently live in Porto, Portugal, where I continue to offer online solutions for women to heal their relationship with food and their body. And that's not now so much eating disorders, but rather for someone who struggles with a lot of extreme dieting, body image issues, counting calories, worrying about everything you eat, food guilt, food obsession, all those kind of things, things that I help women work through so that they can ultimately live their best life. Thank you so much for that. That's such a great in- introduction. One of the things I was uh, I was imagining as you were describing all that is that I have two daughters. You know, they're sixteen and eighteen now, mm-hmm. and I these are things that I wor- uh, that I worry about. Like, actually, they they should be worried about, right? But I worry about it as well. And I'm also thinking to myself, like, okay, what images are they getting? Uh, you know, what kind of messages are they getting because they consume? They are ferocious consumers of social media right and especially when they go to like uh you know some of those really fringe and popular like netflix shows like too hot to handle like you know they finished the u.s version then they went to the latino version and then they went to the brazilian version of a version and i'm like wait a second like are you guys okay like uh, like i don't have to worry about this like no papa you know everything's great right i guess what i uh, the, uh what i would like to know from you is how do you uh, first of all, help people sort of recognize that, yes, I have a problem and mm. I really need to do something about it. Or someone like me who should at least, you know, not necessarily be dictating what my daughter should be eating because I, I personally don't think they, uh, you know, they have the problem, but I would like to be on the lookout for, you know, like warning signs or, you know, things that will make them, uh, you know, shift, you know, from one direction to the other. What should we be looking for? Like, what are some of the things that you should either look out for for yourself or for your loved ones as well? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a really great question. I think one of the biggest things that you'll notice around people who struggle with food and body is they often make a lot of comments about food and body. Um, so they're commenting, oh, I shouldn't have eaten this. I'm so naughty. I'm so bad. I have to burn this off tomorrow. I look so fat, fat right now. I look so terrible. Like, there's usually a lot of comments about themselves. Additionally, there's also usually a lot of comments about other people. Um, so this is basically projecting of your own insecurity. So if you see someone, maybe you're commenting on their body. I can't believe she wore that. That looks terrible on them or blah, blah, blah. All of those are basically you trying to uh, 
basically projecting your own insecurities, but also looking for feedback from the people around you to understand how they view those per- people so they can in turn understand how you maybe view their themselves, their own body. And so the first thing I'd say was look for a lot of comments about themselves, negative body image comments or comments about burning off food or having eaten too much, as well as other people. The second thing that I would probably say is checking in on what other food habits look like. Are they eating nothing all morning and then maybe even eating only really late at night a whole bunch of food? That's very common, especially as this kind of intermittent fasting trend has come to light, which I definitely did as well. Um, Especially if you're a woman, I would highly recommend checking out the book, Women Are Not Small Men. Uh, Basically, it talks about how these kind of different diets, especially things like intermittent fasting, are really just generally applied over to women and uh, women that can have really negative impact intermittent fasting on our body and so cycle cycle or nutrient deficiencies a bunch of stuff but anyways are your eating habits eating habits kind of vary not what you maybe consider normally maybe they're fasting all the morning so maybe they just have a coffee or they're having multiple coffees that's definitely something to look out for a lot of especially younger girls you know they have the big iced starbucks coffee and they have it in their tumbler and they drink that all day and they don't really eat when they're going to school are they packing food or if you're going to work are you bringing food with you later in the evening is there a bunch of food that's consumed so are you having dinner and then after dinner there's a massive amounts of foods be- food being eaten that might potentially represent that you're restricting most of the day so your body's eating a lot of food at once in order to get your energy levels back up for survival because food is calories calories are energy um, and our brain needs calories in order to survive but if you're a parent maybe you're looking is there a lot of food all of a sudden going missing at night is there hidden wrappers in different places because that could maybe represent something like binge eating if there is restriction during the day or if there is something going on right if they're feeling very emotionally overwhelmed maybe there's some mental health stuff going on um, and food can definitely be an escape way for us to feel better. So if you're noticing, you know, a lot of food kind of missing into evening, a lot of wrappers hidden, that's another thing as well that I'd look for. Thank you so much for that. That was more of a personal question, but I'm sure everyone yeah. else benefited, benefited from it. At least now I know what to look out for. So that's great. Thank you so much for that. I want to shift gears into your one big tip. And what's interesting about this is... It talks about, you know, eating food to feel your body, but not your emotions, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, in this case, you know, like emotions can be a rather broad, a rather broad term, right? So I want to make sure that we're really hitting this, especially since a lot of us are working from home, right? A lot of us are working from other places. I know that when I travel, right, my eating habits just... They just go out the window because, you know, like you're in another country, you know, it's in a foreign language, you know, you don't know what's greasy, what's not, what's healthy, you know, and it's like, Jesus, it's tough. And even if you do speak the language, it's like, oh my God, I got to have those tacos again. Right. And I, I got to have, you know, it's like, you know, like you missed that and you're like, okay, yeah, just this one. Let's talk a little bit about, about feeling your body, but not the emotions. Can you talk a little bit about that and, and how that actually applies, you know, like towards your work day and, you know, ultimately you know, the bigger picture, the rest of your day as well, and how you can mitigate that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So when it comes to food and emotions, it's such an interesting topic. And so emotions are essentially just messages from our body. And most of us, myself included, were never taught how to understand and read those messages. And so a lot of the time we try to avoid those messages because our brain essentially fears things that it doesn't understand. It fears the unknown, it fears things that are unfamiliar. And so when we're finding ourselves eating when we're not actually hungry, 
what it likely and often represents is that we are not giving ourselves the ability or the opportunity to actually check in with what's going on within our own body. Meaning a lot of the time, and especially during this pandemic, I found that there's kind of two things that come up as we call them emotions, I call them emotions, basically, which is boredom and loneliness, right? And so eating is basically allows us to have a change of state. So maybe I'm craving food, but I'm not hungry. Okay, I'm craving a change of state right now. And so when it comes to something like loneliness, right, especially during this pandemic, we haven't had a lot of time to connect with people. And as humans, that's absolutely essential. Basically, our brain starts to freak out. Our brain freaks out when it's feeling lonely because as humans, we're a tribal species. We're very much driven by the neurotransmitter oxytocin. Um, basically, that is bonding, love, and connection. And if we don't feel bonding, love, and connection, our brain thinks, because it's still operating as if it's thousands of years ago, that we're basically going to be kicked out of the tribe and we're going to be fending for ourselves and we're not going to survive. So our brain views something like loneliness often as some kind of potential threat for survival. The second thing, our brain often uses boredom and sees boredom as something is negative, especially if you're someone who hasn't necessarily managed your mind in the sense that you have negative thoughts kind of running rampant. When we are bored and we have these thoughts kind of coming up, what am I doing with my life? I don't like who I am. I don't, I need to lose weight. I need to change my body. All those kind of thoughts popping up. If we become so you know, immersed in that and it's scary for us to kind of lean into what are those messages my body is sending me, we often want to avoid that thing because our brain avoids pain as a, you know, as a survival technique. Um, you know, again, thousands of years ago, if there is some kind of a pain, basically our brain and our body want to avoid that because that's a potential threat, potential death. So it's a survival thing. So if you've not learned how to process our emotions and how to sit with our thoughts, basically we are literally going to do anything we can to change our emotional state, to change our state, to avoid that pain. So what we often think is self-sabotage is actually self-protection. So one of the things I always offer with clients and when I'm working with people People in different settings, whether it be workshops or you know presentations or whatever, is to actually work to check in with yourself throughout the day. So a simple actionable tool I always like to give is take your phone, go to your alarms, set silent alarms throughout the day, and change where it says the alarm. There's a little X, hit that, change it to check in. Like, how am I feeling right now? Breathe. What's going on for me? How like what emotion is happening right now? And it's like that sounds really simple, really silly, even, but We often never give ourselves the opportunity to actually slow down and check in. So it's almost like you're driving on the highway and you're driving like 200 miles an hour and there's signs on the side of the road that say things like, I'm overwhelmed, I'm stressed, I'm lonely, I'm angry, I'm frustrated. But we're driving so quickly that we can't read those signs whatsoever. And so doing this little simple thing of scheduling these various alarms to just pop up on your screen, make sure it's silent. You don't want to scare yourself. That's what the point. Basically just reminding you to check in yourself and, you know, how am I feeling right now? I'm feeling really overwhelmed. Okay, what's going on for me right now? But if I miss that cue, if I miss the opportunity to ask myself what's happening, I just completely ignore it. Another analogy I like to use, it's almost like throughout the day, you're kind of like a juggler. And every single thing that happens, it's like you're being tossed, you know, like a bowling pin to kind of represent something that's happened. But in the day, you're juggling like 10 million things. And it's so overwhelming that you don't want to deal with it. So you just go to the cupboard, you get some ice cream, and you get some chocolate, and you get some food because it's too much to process. But if you're slowly checking in, almost kind of hitting that reset, you know, getting back to that baseline throughout the day, taking that breath, right? Even as a quick tip, I would highly recommend as well doing some box breathing or known as tactical breathing. So inhale for four, hold for four, exhale for four, hold for four. Doing that several times throughout the day, four times each time 
um, different rounds. But basically, that's going to activate the parasympathetic nervous system, basically tell your body we're safe, we're okay. Because a lot of the time, you know, when we're feeling emotions that are really big and really scary, it's because we're operating out of our, you know, our amygdala, which is basically the part of our brain that decides whether or not something is a threat or something is scary. And if something feels like it's a threat, it's scary, which can be an emotion, we're going to kick into our sympathetic nervous system, which is that fight or flight mode. When we're in that space, we actually can't access higher cognitive function. So we can't work through that emotion. We can't process it. We can't understand what's going on. We're likely going to spiral, get overwhelmed, get super anxious, and then we're going to go and get some more food. Right, So checking in with yourself, um, doing that box breathing is a great way to regulate the nervous system and to give you the opportunity and the ability to actually process whatever that emotion is. Now with that, another kind of second tool I always offer with clients around emotions is actually increasing your emotional vocabulary. So there's something called emotional granularity. Basically, this is your ability to get really granular, really specific about the emotion that you're actually feeling. Because the interesting thing about emotions is that when we name the emotions, if I'm saying I'm feeling sad right now, just by simply naming it, I'm starting to process it because my emotional center of my brain doesn't actually have language, but my prefrontal cortex, which is the front third most developed part of my brain, does have the ability to have language, which means when I simply label I am feeling this, it means I'm actually already starting to process that emotion. It also means that it's not scary anymore, right? Going back to what I was saying before, if you don't understand something, if it's unfamiliar, our brain sees it as unsafe. So when I say I am feeling fill-in-the-blank emotion, I'm allowed to feel fill-in-the-blank emotion, it is safe for me to feel whatever emotion, all of a sudden my brain starts to associate that emotion with familiarity, with safety, then you've named it, right? So we're able to move through it. And when I'm doing that, when it feels safe for me to feel this emotion instead of constantly needing to go and buffer and avoid using food, I'm going to start to be able to process that emotion. I'm going to start to move through it. And then what I was saying before, right, when it comes to emotions, they're messages from our body. If we're constantly shooting the messenger by going to get the different types of foods, it means that we can't actually understand what our body's trying to tell us. Right? Are you in a career that you actually totally despise, but every time thoughts come up about your day and about what you maybe actually like, it's too much for you and you get too stressed, you go to get food. Or maybe it's about a partner, or maybe it's about struggles with your kids or whatever it is, but our body's way to communicate with us is through emotions. So the ability to slow down, check in with yourself, right? So having those little check-ins to your phone, the alarms, doing that box breathing to regulate the nervous system so you actually can rationally think about what you know how you're feeling, and then labeling that emotion and giving yourself that permission to feel it. Feel it. Uh, those simple things, honestly, will be an absolute game changer for you. You know, I love that you pointed all that out. I mean, the first step to figuring out what's going on is to actually process it, is to identify it, right? So basically what you described is a, you know, basically the simplest form of journaling, you know, you could possibly get to is to just sit there and, you know, stop for a second. Okay, I'm feeling anxious and just tell yourself why or, you know, see if you can articulate it. And at least then you have something to work with because if you don't have something to work with, then you're like, oh, geez, now what? You know, now you go into panic mode. Right. And that is such a great tip, you know, for that just about anybody can use, right? Because it doesn't require a lot of effort. You don't need to go out and buy any kind of special books. You don't need uh, necessarily a guru to go and tell you, you know, hey, you need to do this. You need to do that. You know, it's really just recognizing, yeah, I have an issue. You know, I love that. So thank you for sharing that. 
when someone takes those steps, does it for a few days, does it for a few weeks, the biggest part is that A, it becomes a habit, right? What happens next? Like after you get them, you know, to understand, okay, you know, this is what's happening. This is, uh, you know, now you're able to articulate it and identify it. How do you help them overcome, you know, like, like what are the next steps? Mm -hmm. So the first thing that you said, it's, it's awareness, right? If we don't have awareness of what's going on, it's like, it's almost like trying to set, you're trying to go somewhere. Um, like in Google Maps, you set a destination, but you have no idea where your current location is. So we have to have a current location. We have to understand where we are on the map. And that comes through having that awareness. So once we've created a little bit of awareness, and once we've maybe started to identify some of those emotions, right, the next thing is looking at why are those things coming up in the first place, right? So maybe I'm feeling that anger, maybe I'm feeling that frustration. Where is that coming from, right? Because we often think we have a food problem, but it's not usually a food problem. Food is not the issue. Food is actually the symptom. And we have to understand what is actually driving that? What's actually going on here? What are the things that I'm actually trying to avoid right now? And so we dig into that. We have to look at like actually what's happening there. But kind of the second component of that really is understanding that oftentimes that reaching for that food when I'm actually hungry to try to avoid something has become habitual, right? It's become this like every single night after I have my dinner and I have maybe a little snack, I keep finding myself going back and forth to the kitchen. So in those kind of situations, right, it's really understanding like what is the unmet need at this time? So in my coaching, I talk about four different types of needs basically. So I talk about connection, I talk about physical mental and emotional. So you kind of talked a little bit about emotional, right? But in terms of mental, right? If I am basically always beating myself up, shaming myself, telling myself I'm a terrible person, I'm making foods off limits, I can't eat this, I can't eat that, right? That is really that kind of unmet need, that mental restriction that's going on. Basically, the way our brain works, mental restriction creates mental rebellion and allowance creates space for choice. So if I'm constantly telling you, you know, for example, I'm telling you don't think about pink elephants, you're going to think about pink elephants, right? Ironic processes. And so what you want to do is basically work to give yourself that permission. So when it comes to food, I give myself permission to eat X food. Do I actually feel like eating X food? Now, people always say to me, Victoria, if I am allowed to eat cookies, I'm going to eat nothing but cookies all day long. The irony of that is the only reason you want to eat cookies all day long is because you've restricted the cookies. But trust me, if you had a cookie in arm's length every single day for the rest of your life, you would get bored of it likely by like day three. So mental restriction is a big thing when it comes to making foods on limits, as well as beating yourself up, right? If I'm looking in the mirror, judging myself, telling myself I'm terrible all the time, what actually that does is you're shaming yourself. Shame in the body is the same, triggers the same part of your brain as if you're in actual physical pain. We're in physical pain, like I was saying before, our brain doesn't like to be in pain, associates it with potential death, and so it's going to self-soothe. So if I'm telling myself I'm worthless and disgusting and horrible and trying to do that to motivate myself to go to the gym, actually what's likely going to happen is I'm you know, going to want to stay home and chill on the couch and maybe order in some food and just be kind of upset and kind of self-soothe myself. So that's the mental. We talked a little bit about emotional. Physical is um, when it comes to food, am I eating enough food? Right. So like I was saying, you know, a lot of the time we will do that coffee all morning and then into the eating evening, we find ourselves eating a bunch of food. Nothing has gone wrong there. That's your brain doing exactly what it needs to do to keep you alive and get your energy levels back up. So are you physically restricting food, not eating enough of it, making certain food groups off limits? You're not getting enough nutrients. 
And the last piece there um, is connection, right? So we're restricting connection in our life. So humans, I said before, are social species. If we're not giving ourselves the opportunity to, you know, connect to other people, our brain thinks something has gone wrong. I don't know if you guys can hear the bells in the background here. <laughs> I live by a, a big church. And so when it comes to connection, right, am I getting home at night and I'm reaching towards food, but I'm actually feeling really, really lonely? Because if I continue to eat the food to avoid the feelings of loneliness, likely over time, I'm just going to need more and more food to fill that void of loneliness instead of actually dealing with the underlying issue there, that unmet need, which is that I'm not getting enough connection in my life. So when I work with clients, I really kind of work around those four pillars and really help to identify after we've created that awareness, what is that unmet need right now? What's kind of going on and how can we kind of make a path forward? What a great explanation. Thank you so much for walking through all that. So basically what you're saying is that, you know, like you really do need to recognize, you know, like all of these aspects, like you can't just eliminate one, you can't just eliminate the mental and let the physical, you know, go run wild. You know, you really do need to make sure that you're narrowing down all of that in order to have a successful campaign, which is to regulate your eating and to feel your body and not your emotions. So I love that. Thank you so much for sharing that. Uh, Can you please let everyone know how they can learn more? about you and how they can reach out to you directly if they want to learn more. Yeah, so I would love to connect with you. I always say message me on Instagram and people I think maybe think I'm not going to answer them or it's someone else, but no, it's definitely me. So shoot me a message there. That is at Victoria Evans Official. I'm also on TikTok. That is at eating intuitive eating with Vic at intuitive eating with Vic V-I-C for Vic um, my website which is listed there if you do the forward slash programs for that you can also check out different ways to work with me as well as if you do that website there forward slash coaching so www.victoriaevansofficial.com forward slash coaching I do private coaching um, I have a course um, I do some one-off sessions so there's multiple different ways to connect with me and work with me if you like my style if you like the different tools and the science-based approach then I would love to support you and help you so that you can start living your best life. So definitely shoot me a message and come find me. I love it. What a great message. Thank you for joining me today. I really appreciate you uh, breaking down both the science and the mentality of what it takes to really regulate your eating. I know it's something that you know a lot of people struggle with, whether they'd like to admit it or not. So hopefully this episode will really help them. Thank you for joining me today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thank you so much for listening to the One Big Tip podcast. If you're a six to eight figure entrepreneur, business coach, or speaker who would like to be on this show, we need to talk. The audience for this podcast is hungry for experts and professionals who want to share their knowledge with this world. So if you're ready to share your actionable and measurable One Big Tip, please go to onebigtip.com slash guest and let's get your story out there. I am also crazy excited to announce my new Agents of Pod coaching program. With this program, I show busy entrepreneurs the strategies that I use to have warm conversations with my dream clients, keep my calendar book solid, and consistently have potential clients at the ready, all anxiously waiting to speak with me every single week. Head on over to agentsofpod.com slash hero and let me show you how to be the superhero in your business today. Lastly, I have a huge ask for you. Could you please share this with your audience on social media? The stories and connections that I make on this podcast have helped thousands of people, sometimes in the most profound ways. 
And you never know if your small action today will be the one that kickstarts your friend, a family member, or even yourself into taking massive action and starting the next multi-million dollar business. It'll be your way of just paying it forward. My name is Jeff Mendelson. You can find me on all the major social channels like LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook. Thank you so much for listening.